Over this next season, over this next month, we're opening up a new topic, a discussion around the whole concept of deeper, about going deeper or drawing uh, deeper and more into God and His presence. And, you know, early on in the lockdown, I actually uh, was reading, I started reading through Genesis and just thought, let's see how far we get with this thing. And uh, I was reading Genesis and in chapter two came across the scripture. At, at this point, God's formed the earth, that He's created all things. And then in Genesis two, verse five, it says, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant uh, had yet sprung up. For God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But I love in verse six, it says, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface, the whole surface. It was at this point, nothing had come up yet. Water hadn't fallen from the sky, rain hadn't come. But I love the fact the first place that plants found their nutrients, the first place plants uh, draw their source from was not what was brought upon them, but actually what were they able to tap into. That it was actually they dug springs. It was from the springs that the nutrients came. And you know, just in hearing Pastor Sam open up this first segment of deeper. You know, I remember God early on, just at the start of this lockdown, God's speaking to me about this, is the rain is a lot of our external environments. It's those environments we put ourselves in and we can receive from. But then there's also times where we don't need the rain. We actually need to tap into the spring, into the deep things of God. And that's where we can find the nourishment. And I'm just praying really over this month, when as a church, why we might not be in environments where we can receive the rain, that we could actually dig and tap into the spring of life, which can bring forth new fruit, new dreams, new visions, new plans, new things of God. And it's the depth of the spring that can bring the nourishment, no matter what the season, no matter whether it's raining or droughting outside, there is nourishment on the inside because I've tapped into something. And we wanna talk over this time about tapping in deeper to God. I remember uh, uh, when I was a teenager, um, one thing when I first got a license I learned is uh, you, you, you quickly learn, uh, you know, low income, driving around, uh, is, is how to gauge your petrol tank. And I remember for me as a teenager, I was definitely an ears enough kind of guy. And uh, actually I had this van and the gauge was a little bit broken, but through trial and error, I, I managed to get a feel for the van that I knew kind of how far I could go uh, and how much gas was enough gas to get me uh, to where I was going. Every now and again, you get caught out. But uh, I remember this moment one day where I was driving and I just, got to this point where I was feeling like I was about to run out of gas. And so I remember driving down the road towards the gas station uh, and about a hundred meters out from the gas station, the car just stopped. So I run completely out of gas. So I just put my foot on the clutch and it's one of my claim to fame is I managed to just roll right into the gas station, pull up to the pump and the, the van stopped right at the gas station, I had just enough to get where I was going. And the reality is that one thing I remember later on in life, God taking me back to that moment because He used it as a picture in my mind to say, hey, you, you can live this life with just enough, getting through just enough, coastering in, maybe it's stream after stream, I just got enough to get by. 
But God's desire is that we wouldn't live on just enough of Him. That actually we'd experience His abundance. We'd experience His goodness at a deep level. That actually in this season, we'd learn how to not just have enough to get by, not just enough to keep me saved, not just enough to keep me in heaven, not just enough to get me through, but we'd discover a sense of the vastness and bigness and dig into the depth of God. You know, one of the the questions, uh, you know, when you're going on a trip, especially if there's kids involved, one of the questions that's always asked is, are we there yet? Have we arrived yet? One thing I've found with a walk with God and a relationship with God is you never truly arrive. You start this journey with Jesus, but we never arrive. And I find the danger in it sometimes is when we actually get a point, to a point in our walk with God where we feel like we've arrived. Okay, I've, I think I've got enough to get by now. I think I've got enough to just do my career, do my thing. But I wanna say, come on, we don't wanna just enough to get by. We don't wanna just arrive at a level of understanding God. We actually wanna allow a desire in our heart to dig deeper into God, to say, I want all that God has on for offer for my life. You know, when it comes to discovering new things, I found now after walking with Jesus for a number of years, I remember I grew up in a home with a mother that loved Jesus and would take me to church and tell me stories about God. But I remember in my later teenage years that actually what went from stories then turned into revelation. That actually I had heard a lot about God, but it was in my teenage years where I got a revelation that these weren't just stories. They weren't just another book, but there is a God that loves me and a God that is for me. And I I remember going on this, this season where I didn't learn anything new, but I learned the same things in a new way. Uh, You know, I I love the fact that, you know, when it comes to revelation and the things of God, often God doesn't, like I, I remember, for example, learning from a young age to trust God. But my whole life I've had to learn that same phrase so many times. But every time I learn that phrase, trust God, it's at a deeper, deeper level. You know, Peter in the Bible is a a guy that many of us are familiar with. And what I love about the story of Peter is he can relate so much to his life. And there's this great moment in Matthew 16 uh, where, where Peter and Jesus are in a conversation about who do people say Jesus is. And then Jesus stops and turns to Peter and says, who do you say I am? At this point, Everyone had believed Jesus was a good teacher. He was a rabbi, potentially a prophet. But for the first time, Peter turned around and said, I believe you're the Son of God, the Messiah. It was a great revelation. It was like the relationship between Jesus and Peter had gone to a new depth. And you just think from that moment onwards, we just saw that their relationship would just be great and things would continue to go good. But you look at the life of Peter from that moment, the very next scene, we find Jesus now rebuking Peter. Jesus and Peter have this great moment of revelation. And now in the next scene, Peter's trying to stop Jesus from embarking on what, what he's called to do. And you find Jesus rebukes Peter. Peter's saying in this time that he's willing to lay his life down. But you watch how the story develops for Peter. Peter goes from getting this great revelation to then being rebuked. And then from then, a couple of chapters later, Jesus now predicts that Peter's gonna deny him. From the, that, that moment, Peter's like, no, I'll lay my life down for you, Jesus. But then next scene is Jesus is arrested and Peter in his own strength tries to cut off someone's ear. 
And, and Jesus again corrects Peter for the wrong behaviour. Then Peter goes from that correction to a place where now he denies Jesus. And then you find the story ends in this moment where Peter's out fishing, discouraged, disheartened. He'd gone from this great moment of revelation, Jesus, you're a King, you're a Messiah, you're the Son of God. But then he finds himself rebuked, he finds himself denying, he finds himself being corrected. Then he just finds himself fishing. Jesus had just been hung on a cross. And he's confused, he's discouraged, he's disheartened. But then Jesus comes back on the scene. We find this passage, the restoration moment for Peter. Peter comes back to Jesus. They have this moment on the beach. Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you, God, Peter says. And they come to this moment where Peter then gets restored. And then Jesus goes on to tell Peter and predicts again, Peter's death and what it's gonna be like. And I just love the response of Peter. Jesus just once again says, says a statement he had already said to Peter once before, is just follow me. Peter has a revelation, this is God. And I'm willing to lay my life down and makes a decision to follow Jesus. I love the fact because right at the end of Peter's journey with Jesus, as the Bible tells it, you have Jesus and Peter having a conversation that they'd actually had a few times before. But this time they're talking about the same thing, but it's in a whole deeper meaning. It's touching deeper in the life of Peter. And I reckon even in the season of isolation, for some of you, the phrase of just trust God because God is good. You've heard it for years, but the season of the chaos and the confusion, you're saying the same thing, but it's hidden at a deeper level. And I've found often God doesn't always speak a new thing but sometimes He just says the same thing and it hits in a new way. And uh, I reckon in this season, it is actually the testing of our revelation that deepens our revelation. Peter had a revelation, Jesus, I'll lay my life down for you. That, that revelation was tested a number of times until G Peter returns to the same revelation, but this time he's returned deeper. And I just believe in this next season that convictions are gonna drive deeper. Some of you had convictions in your heart. You'd have beliefs about what God's called you to do. And I believe in this season, it's gonna hit deeper. But what I love about Peter is because Peter didn't pass every test, that he didn't get it all right. He denied Jesus, he cut off ears, he got corrected, he walked away, he got confused. But in all of that, God used it in a way to draw him deeper. That actually going in deeper to God isn't always just a nice clean cut thing. If I just read my scripture, yeah, I'll understand more of God, but depth, the depth of your relationship with God I've found is discovered in the journey you're willing to go on. And I love the story of, Jesus, of Peter because he didn't always get it right. But one thing Peter did was he did one thing right is he always returned to Jesus. And although he failed some tests, he always came back. He always came back and is actually the, the trying and the failing, the success and the struggle. It's the clarity and the, the confusion. As you just allow God into it all, I found that's the space, your conviction and your relationship. The successes aren't the only thing that deepen your relationship. I found it's the struggle. It's the clarity can strengthen, but the confusion can lead you back closer to God. And I, I kind of realize a relationship with Jesus you actually gotta be willing to go all in. Strength and struggle, clarity and confusion. 
allow Jesus into it all because that's where it's developed. And what I want to look at is just four quick moments in the Bible, moments where people touch the life of Jesus in a, in, a, in a way that caught the attention of Jesus. Jesus in his time had many people around him, but there were certain people in the Bible that caught the attention as Jesus moves through crowds. But what I love about these moments is, and the significance of these moments is the people that Jesus chose to point out and use are not your clean cut, ordinary people. In fact, of the, at the time, there was a, a real way of thinking that uh, actually, that actually your proximity to God or your relationship with God was all deter- determined on your performance. It's like your, your performance determined your position with God. There was a whole way of thinking the, the Jewish people at the time were, were just in this way. If I just act better, if I just do better, if I'm just better, then I will be better with God. And I think at times, the fact is we sometimes fall into that same trap. When I do good, I feel good, therefore I feel I can go go to God. But when I do bad, I feel bad, so I feel like I can't go to God. And there's this whole mentality of these Jewish people, but Jesus chooses to use some moments that would just disrupt this whole way of thinking, disrupt this whole mentality. You know, there's four stories that really, that we're gonna quickly look at, just show us that actually your, your proximity to God is not based on your performance. Your proximity to God and God's love for you and willingness to connect with you is not based on your goodness, but actually your willingness to tap into His goodness and receive what He's done. And so first story I wanna look at is Matthew 5 tells us about a centurion man. He's a Roman officer. So for those who don't know, Romans at the time were those who were depressed. They were were over the Jewish people and would oppress the Jewish people. But there's this moment in in Matthew 5 where uh, a Roman officer comes to Jesus because he's in need of someone at his home to be healed. And so he comes running to Jesus and uh, humbly stands before Jesus and asks Jesus to, if he would heal him. Jesus being Jesus, say, yeah, I'm willing to come. I'm willing to go and starts to embark on, on, on getting ready to set off. But I love what the, the Roman officer, the centurion says. He stands there and he says, hey, Jesus, I don't need you to come to my house. In fact, I understand how authority works. And if you just say the word, it would be done. Jesus stops in that moment and just addresses everybody around him and says, hey, I've never, I've never encountered such great faith. And I, I love this story because at this point he had met John the Baptist. At this point he had met the disciples. At this point he had met so many great heroes. Yet in a Roman officer, he found the greatest faith that a Roman officer managed to tap into the heart and something of Jesus that no one else had yet accessed. This idea that the power of God could move, that Jesus' Word was powerful enough to shift a situation over here. But really the characteristic we draw from the story is we see the fact it was with great humility that the Roman officer would have come to Jesus. Jesus was a Jew, he was a Roman officer. And no means did the Roman officer need a respect. In fact, when he comes to Jesus, he says, Lord. At the time, it was a phrase of honour. So you have a Roman officer that comes to Jesus and says, Lord. Lord, he humbly comes before Jesus. 
And I love the fact that his great humility unlocked great faith. And I just believe as we're, we're in this next season looking at how do we go deeper? You gotta, deeper really starts in the heart of humility. The willingness to acknowledge my need of Jesus. The fact I, I might have been a Christian for a while, but I humbly understand I've got so much more I need to learn. There's so much more God has for me. And this Roman officer took hold and accessed something no one had yet accessed. He, and I, I love the fact that you don't need to settle for an experience. Actually, your humility and drawing to God, your humility of acknowledging God in all things could actually unlock and, uh, and tap into and release something of Jesus you haven't yet experienced. I'd, have to, I'd challenge to say there is things in God that He wants you to experience that you haven't yet experienced. But if we would humbly come to God, we would be able to tap in and access these things. The first guy came with humility. The next story is a, a, a famous story. It's a story told very wide. It's a story of a woman with an issue of blood. Luke 8 tells us the story. Jesus passing through a crowd. Crowds trying to crush in on Jesus to get near him. But a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years in a desperate state pushes through a crowd and then reaches out and touches Jesus. Jesus stops this whole crowd Stops this whole crowd and says, hey, power has left me. He, he stops the whole crowd to acknowledge this woman. A woman that the whole crowd would have thrown aside. The woman that the whole crowd would have dismissed. A woman that the whole crowd would have overlooked managed to take hold of something from Jesus that no one else had. And I wonder if Jesus didn't stop the crowd for her sake. Jesus knew who touched him. Jesus knew what it did for that lady. So I wonder if he stopped the crowd for the crowd's sake. A whole crowd that is bent up and caught up on a way of thinking that if you just do better, you'll draw closer. But here you have a woman who in their eyes wasn't deserving at all, but made a decision to seek out Jesus. And in that seeking of Jesus, she found healing. Her desperation and her desire I think we can learn from this woman the fact that actually the first guy, we understand that he came with humility, but the second woman came with a heart to seek Jesus. Jesus came near her town, but she decided to seek closer to him. That's what I've found about Jesus is he will come near, but we've got to choose to seek him out. The Bible says for those who seek, for those who seek, will find him. And next is a, a guy, a blind beggar, Name Bartimaeus. I love this story because Jesus walking through a town once again with another crowd. Bartimaeus starts calling out to Jesus, Jesus, help me, Jesus, son of David. He starts calling out to, to Jesus, Jesus walking down the street. Those leading the way rebuked the, the blind man three times, telling him to be quiet. Don't bother Jesus. You're not worthy of Jesus' time. You're not deserving of His time. Jesus is an important guy. He's got things to do. Blind man, you are not worthy. A whole crowd had deemed this man unworthy of the attention and time of Jesus. But I love the fact that the persistence of this man to believe that our Saviour does not act based on our performance but acts based on His great love, His great love for us. Anyway, Jesus then stops the whole crowd, calls the man forth, talks to the man, heals him in that moment. But what I love in the dialogue, 
the guy, the Bible records, says he, he, that he calls him rabbi. Rabbi, I want to get my sight back. But in the original language, he actually uses a phrase, Rabboni. And this phrase isn't really used anywhere else. In fact, it's only used in one other place. The only other time someone ever refers to Jesus with this word Rabboni is this moment when Mary discovers Jesus has been raised from the dead and Jesus uh, reveals himself at the tomb to her. In that moment, she returns to him and says, Rabboni. This moment she sees Jesus in all his glory. She uses this term to describe him, to call him. The only other person to ever do that was a blind man. That perhaps maybe a blind man saw Jesus more clearly than anybody else. That a blind man in his desperation actually understood something of Jesus which hadn't yet been revealed to anybody else. And I was just thinking about this. How did he get such a clear picture when he couldn't see a, simple, see a, a thing? The reality is he couldn't see, but he could hear. The only way he would have come to know about Jesus is through hearing. He would have heard the stories. He would have heard what everyone's saying. And all he could do was sit there and listen. And in his listening, his leaning in, and his listening as they tell stories and they talk about Jesus and all he's doing, a picture develops in his mind of the clarity of Jesus, that he is the risen King, that he is Messiah. And I love the fact that it was through his hearing, he developed the faith which those who could see couldn't even comprehend. The fact that faith is developed through our hearing. And I wonder in the season when we come to looking at going deeper, we learn, we come with humility. We learn, we come seeking out Jesus. But we learn, we come in listening. That actually we take a moment to listen because it's in our listening. We often can find the clarity. We allow the Spirit, we allow Him to speak to us. If a blind man could get a clearer picture, not through what he's seen or the miracles he's seen, but the stories he heard about Jesus, I wonder if we just lean in and listen. What God might say to us over this time. The last person I want to look at, and it's a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is an incredible guy in the, in the story. But think about Zacchaeus once again, another guy not deserving of Jesus' time, not deserving of Jesus' attention. According to the Jewish people, he was a tax collector. He had turned his back on his own people. But Jesus comes walking through his town no, I love the story of Zacchaeus because in Luke 19, when it's talking about Zacchaeus, it says this, it says, he wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see who Jesus was. And I, I love this moment because it was the curiosity of Zacchaeus to discover. And I believe if we wanna go deeper in God, it's the sense of curiosity needs to rise in our heart that I, I don't wanna just know Jesus in the way of always knowing Jesus. But I wanna have something in my spirit that's hungry, that's, that, that's, that's got a sense of discovery, a sense of adventure towards this thing. And I really pray over this time that God wants to develop the same curiosity. Zacchaeus was at home and just heard Jesus was nearby. And it says he just wanted to see. I wonder in this season, do you wanna see more of Jesus? Do you have a curiosity in your spirit? Do you have something or and maybe like, like me when I was a teenager, I'd learned with my van how to just get by with just enough. 
how to just coast through with just enough. Yeah, I've done this Jesus thing for a while. I know how to go to church. I know how to connect online in an e-group. I know how to do all these. I've got this thing covered. But I love Zacchaeus because he wanted to discover what this was all about. In fact, it talks about how Zacchaeus couldn't see over the crowd and so he climbs the tree. Jesus, when He sees Zacchaeus climb a tree, stops the whole crowd and turns to Zacchaeus and says, hey, I wanna come home to your house. I just love, just as we finish, just two observations about the life of Zacchaeus that I believe can help us to go deeper into God and deeper into the things of God. First thing, it talks about how he turned up and he couldn't see over the crowd. Tells me that Zacchaeus turned up late Everyone else is already ready for the parade. Everyone else is already out there. Zacchaeus shows up late. He's at the back of the crowd. But I love the fact that although he was late, although he turned up late, that God still chose him and called him forth. I just love the fact that for some of you even sitting in your homes, you can be thinking, well, I'm too late for this. I'm too late for that dream. I'm too late to pursue this thing. I'm too late to the party. I had my shot when I was younger, but now I just feel too late. It's my last year of high school. I'm too late to try and do anything here. I love the fact in God, it's never too late. In God, you're never too late. That in fact, if you've got a desire and a willingness to go after and seek out and discover what God has, He can take those who show up last and use them first. I love the fact it doesn't matter if you've been with God for a minute or for years. Time doesn't matter to God. Don't feel like you've shown up too late. You might feel it's too late to restudy. It might be too late to chase that dream. It's never too late in God. It wasn't too late for Zacchaeus. It's not too late for you. Then last thing is he let Jesus come home. Jesus in verse five, it talks about when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus and asked him to come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I love the fact that as soon as Jesus called, Zacchaeus responded, immediately welcomed him in. I've come to realise when it comes to going deeper in God, you can't go deeper in God until you're willing to invite Him in. Some of you have invited Him into rooms of your life. But I found about Jesus, when you bring Jesus home into your life, He's nosy. He likes to poke around. He likes to move throughout the house and see what's going on. For some of us, for years, we've confined Jesus to certain rooms in our life. But Jesus doesn't wanna come and just sit on your porch. He wants to come into your life. He wants to come into every moment of it. And I've found if, if you wanna go deeper with God, new depth also starts with new vulnerability, a new sense of vulnerability to allow Jesus in.